Welcome back to FinTalk brought to you by Vermic. Here we discuss pressing topics in fintech, regtech, covering regulatory, collateral, and digital across banking and insurance and finance. Vermic has been proud to deliver innovative software solutions in the industry with stability and cost efficiency for our global Rostock clients. With over 20 years of trusted transformation in finance and insurance, we're bringing industry's top expertise to FinTalk. I'm Jared Akta, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Welcome back to FinTalk, brought to you by Vermeck. I'm Jared Akta, your host. So today, we welcome back Martin. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. I um, really enjoyed the last one, and I'm looking forward to this one too. Yeah, like I said, I think one more and you get a Blue Peter badge, right? I think that's what we're going <laughs> to... Some some listeners will, will know what a Blue Peter badge is on those sought-after gifts, sorry. Or a patch to sew on my sleeve that says I'm <laughs> blockchain. <laughs> Indeed. So we're going to talk about everything blockchain, crypto. We'll try and cover as much as we can uh, in the time we have. Last time we spoke, a lot happened since then. You know, all the, all the, the crypto kind of dropping and, and coming back up, legislation's happening. I want to touch upon legislation to start with, if that's all right. Most recently, the Treasury Select Committee paper on crypto. Welcome your thoughts on that. I think it's positive whenever anyone from any department starts talking about legislation, because the biggest problem we've had in blockchain is the uncertainty. So like for every business, if you don't have a set of rules, it's very hard to comply with them. And there's all that niggle. If I do do something, what will happen? Where does where does the legal structure fit in and how can I operate? What are the terms of reference? And that's really been lacking in the last five years. Uh, it's been piecemeal. It's been statements from the Bank of England, from the FCA. There are pieces where they've you know, intervened, but it's very welcome to see any progress and, and all the steps towards it are all positive in my mind. Yeah, I think regulation is key, right? Um, at the moment, it was. It, you're right. It's, it's very bit part, bit part process, and no one kind of knows where we sit with it. I think this is a step in the right direction. Um, there's been papers, right? There's been papers before, and remember we spoke about the papers before. Definitely, I think, yeah. I think now having some kind of the treasury involved as well shines a bit of a you know a brighter light um, mm-hmm. in this world. While we're talking about treasury, I want to talk about CBDCs and your thoughts on that. I know there's a lot of talk uh, in the markets, uh, it's a digital pound and, and other other governments as well moving uh, at some pace. Yeah, happy to welcome your thoughts. Yeah, there definitely that. seems to be a land grab in this, this space with, um, it's, it almost feels like there's a race to be the first one to do one. Yeah. yeah to yeah. have the, the <laughs> best one. And, and it's, it's really quite broad in the different approach they're taking. So you have, China's rushed off with their one. They've they've launched theirs, and it's widely used internally. And I guess I can see the motivation for, for central banks doing this because here we have a parallel currency that they've got no control on, particularly, and that's starting to be used in the economy, and that's not connected to the national currency that that they're charged to look after. So you can see the temptation of saying, "Well, we can't ignore this." So let's do our own one and let's, um, you know, let's start putting it out there. But the problem you have is if you start issuing CBDCs and your own like digital pound or digital euro or digital dollar, then who's actually going to be distributing this? Because the relationship between the central banks and the wholesale banks is one thing, but in wholesale banks, the customer is another. So like it's, uh, it's a bit messy. 
So maybe the best way to look at it would be CBDC that connects the wholesale banks together for the central bank. They have that control. They know how much is issued. They can take care of that. They manage liquidity. They link it to treasury, whatever it is. And then the wholesale banks have a mechanism where they can instantly settle and it replaces any sort of convoluted ways of transferring money between each other. Yeah, I remember seeing a diagram. There was, and, that, and that was the, I think that's the key point, right? Because from a retail point of view, the retail, the central bank doesn't really want to have a, uh, an not, exposure to a retail person. Not at all, no. I understand the wholesale and they, they can, you know, kind of back it. And then where, where does, where's the line drawn? Is Do you draw the line central bank to the retail? We don't really want that. Or do you want central bank to wholesale then to the retail and the wholesale looks after the retail and so forth. So there's that still, that's the bit I think that's still not clear. Yeah, I think I think from what I've seen with some of the models that having this ability for a central bank to issue to retail is very problematic from a privacy point of view. You know, if you've got one wallet that's officially your deposit at the central bank, then you've got your entire spending transaction history. So if you pop in to get your newspaper in the morning, the news agent takes your payment, can see your address, and then see everything. Oh, he pays that much on his mortgage, and he pays <laughs> on this for his car, and whatever. You know, and it's it's there revealed to everyone. So yeah. I don't think that's a smart idea. Yeah. Um, I think it's smarter maybe to have that, like I say, the wholesale link, and then maybe the wholesale lot can issue their own tokens, their, their fiat equivalent, and they could be fungible too, just so we'd have... You know, but they would they would be able to deposit back into the central bank like they do now. So, like in e, if you look at like the e money legislation that Europe came up with years ago, which is a really good way, a good framework of of digitizing money effectively, and you use it that sort of tokenized way of doing it because everything is particularly since COVID went dematerialized. You know, we we didn't really use cash anymore. Even uh, yeah, your sandwich man prefers to have God, his mobile that? and his yeah. zettel. You know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we, we're seeing that trend anyway, and a lot of ATMs are closing, banks are closing, that, that whole use of cash is going. So there is an argument for tokenizing cash in that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, the move to cashless society, right? And there's also in the payments world, you've had all the open banking and the innovation there about being able yeah. to connect apps into your own bank. And I think it would it would be quite a healthy thing, particularly in the UK, on the sort of duopoly of MasterCard and Visa. So all the card transactions are being processed by the same lot who take whatever it is, basis points off that. So if you have an alternative, it brings in competition and breaks up a duopoly slightly. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point, right? Now, diving deeper onto that, now, the next, kind of next stage is, is blockchain, which is what I want to really want to touch upon. Yeah. How does that, does that secure it? Does that make it much easier? You know, how does that work uh, in that kind of relationship? Well, I mean, the blockchain makes it very easy. You're not dealing with proprietary systems or the, the plumbing that goes in between. You have one central ledger, and it's very easy for transfers to go in between institutions. So if you had that retail connected into wholesale, they would manage all that, and they could use like a payment system. But you could use the same one. Each wholesale bank could leverage the same blockchain technology and issue the tokens in the same way. And the... You know, where people spend tokens, we'll be able to receive them in the same way. They'll be connected into the same blockchain. So, Or you could do multiple chains, and the chains connect to each other. So this interoperability would be a lot, lot 
more important, I think, going forward. Because I don't think there'll be one blockchain that wins. There'll be many, and be many ways of moving tokens between them. And we're seeing that already, aren't we? We're seeing a load of blockchains. There's obviously that element of notifications as well, the push and pull element of it. Is is that the way forward? Is that is that you know how how does the industry push into that kind of space and actually kind of embrace it with 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 open arms? I don't think the industry will embrace it. They kind of have to because if they don't, the competition will. So obviously, if you if you're a legacy or an incumbent, you're going to protect your business as much as you can. But if outsiders come in with with innovative ways of doing this exchange of value, not using the the normal rails. You know, you've got to, maybe it looks the same. You've got a card, you pay in pounds. You don't really see it, but behind that, the technology is a lot more efficient. So it's a lot cheaper for them. So they become more profitable. And if they're more profitable than the competitors who soldier away with the old way, then the market will adjust. Yeah. Are you seeing more and more work on that blockchain in that area? Now that's starting to happen, open up a bit more. And I think it's, it's interesting, the blockchain space. I've been kind of waiting for the past couple of years for some really breakthrough businesses mm. to start emerging using the technology but it seems like that whole DeFi madness um which imploded last year seems to have taken all the oxygen out of everything all the funding went into that it was all 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 consuming until it went bang and now there's a bit of well we need to improve some of the legacy platforms so they there are projects going on building on infrastructure making it more usable but we're still kind of waiting for that killer use case we haven't really seen that yet yeah is it are you seeing any People trialing, trying to work out a use case. I think that's what it is, isn't it? I think someone's waiting for someone to create that. Definitely, there are there are some serious projects out there. I mean, we've had you know, early on, we had like um, decentralized storage um, systems, which was a nice piece of infrastructure. I think the NFT market has shown its resilience, and that's innovating. So I think that is a new way of doing things in the way of arts that we've not seen before. So I think that's important. But there are businesses I'm working with or, or yeah, sort of connected to or, or whatever that I know that they're really starting to think about how hard they could automate things, taking out intermediaries and, and really using the technology of what it was kind of designed for. So if you think the original paper from Bitcoin was a peer-to-peer payment system, so that was solving a business problem. They were worried about, the people behind it were worried about the banking collapse at the time. So it's taken us a while to get there. I think we're making the right progress, slowly but surely. Yeah, it it is. You're right. The DeFi situation did kind of put the brakes on. Uh, yeah, to a degree. But we're talking about from the banking point of view. In other industries, are you seeing it accelerate, or is it still uh, still the slow pace? Yeah, I mean, I'm quite excited about um, a, lo- a logistics company I'm working with. A startup looking at how they automate um, the last mile and using smart contracts to connect the dispatcher, the courier, and the end, and um, sort of recipient, as it were. And they've got a whole system in there of making sure that they covered all the scenarios of if the packet doesn't get delivered, how does that get compensated or who gets paid, and it's on completion, then payment moves, and all this automation goes on without needing a central authority in there, which I think is going to be quite groundbreaking if something like that comes out. It's it's very much similar to KYC, right? KYC... AML, these kind of... No, I think this is more business-focused. This yeah. is about connecting restaurants, couriers, and, and you know people that, that order their takeaways. 
that's the first step in it, but it, it will go out to more logistics. I think trade finance has been working quietly in the background. So yeah. again, all the shipping logistics, that makes a lot of sense because you have a lot of disconnected parties and the old paperwork of bills of laden and, and all the other bits and uh, the, 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 the financing side of it is all connected. And I think that's, that's making progress as well. Yeah, I mean that's the use case, then, isn't it? The mm. the the smaller way of of restaurateur via delivery. Yeah. To then extrapolate that up to uh, a trade finance transaction. Correct. We have multiple banks, uh, multiple participants, guarantors, guarantees, and and, and you know, there's so many moving parts. Definitely. Uh, in such a short time frame as well, of that trade has been done. Then that's you know that kind of makes sense, and if that's executed at a lower level, it should be able to be replicated absolutely i think and i think it's the way to approach this is to look at if i've got multiple parties and we've got a single source of truth in the blockchain and then we have the automation part of it of all the steps we know what needs to happen without somebody sitting there saying well i've got these orders i'm now going to dispatch or do something and so you're then creating marketplaces where these things begin to sort themselves out through the economic incentives and the punishments you create and that then really motivates people to do the right thing and behave in the right way. And then you, you get those efficiencies. Whereas before you needed a trusted party who can be slow about things because ultimately you trust them. So we all know that if you try and send money to some far-flung corner in the world, it goes through many correspondence banks, all of which have a public holiday at a different day. And it can take... <laughs> the working hours are different. Well, exactly, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so, you know, that's where you, you kind of make those efficiencies because you've just got the single ledger and you can send transactions immediately or have them contingent on an event happening that somebody's signed and countersigned and so on. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's the reducing the time delay. Yeah, um, absolutely. And actually payment on delivery, deliveries happen. You know, it can all be then triggered at certain points uh, in the cycle without having intervention. Correct. And I think it, it will make more transparent what's going on. So then these things will be cheaper to insure because you get less fraud. And so, you know, the value or the win for everyone is is you get a more transparent, more rapid, cheaper system that enables trade, which I think is a good thing. I want to kind of circle back on crypto, but crypto as well, as as well as traditional securities you know the mm -hmm. idea of moving everything digital um traditional versus kind of crypto and and that and, and the balance we're having at the moment you, your thoughts or experience on that and where you see that going i know that's kind of been shifted to a, a lot more people moving to more of a traditional security method and tokenizing and, and that kind of process yeah i think i think the danger we we, we always have with this is Obviously, the, the regulators would quite happily push everything into securities laws, and the securities laws are set up, you know, have evolved over time from paper systems into electronic to order books and so on. There's a whole mechanism, and, and the checks and balances are built in when bad events happen. So when the liquidity crunch happened, we saw CCPs come in, CSDs and so on, to be able to handle all that correctly. But I think applying the same rules to crypto may not be the most effective way of doing this because in fact you know if if all you're doing is moving it to a new technology you're just introducing costs the whole industry for no benefit so if you think about just pure settlement clearing we have say um, a central ledger that everyone can share so there's no there's no passing around inventory from one house to another there's no one that needs to have custody and maintain their own ledger because it's a public ledger 
So therefore, when you're doing, I mean, you could even do T plus two if you really wanted on blockchain. There's no reason why you couldn't and clear it that way. But you don't need to have the trusted parties who hold on to these because that, you know, before dematerialization, there were actual physical certificates that went around and they were held in secure rooms and they were moved back and forth. And then money was exchanged for certificates. And we applied that when we went electronic the same sort of way that, you know, they're moved over to that custodian who keeps a ledger of who's owed what to whom and what balances are where. And I think it would be a shame if legislation stepped in and said, no, you've got to comply to this because that's how it works in securities. That's what we need those checks and balances for. Because really, I think I can't remember who said it. Someone said a while ago that effectively a CSD is DLT digital ledger technology you know it's there it, it, f- it forms exactly the same role and in, in the case of um when you're doing say transferring a stock against um say a, a stable coin that transaction goes you can't back it out you can't that transaction can't happen if one doesn't have the balance it will fail because you have to deliver at the same time so you've, you've got quite a few controls on, on managing those risks in in those areas. And I think we could maybe look as well at slightly, you know, slightly differently in how we do, say, the clearing part of it, but also the trading, you know. What what does a modern company need? And we're seeing, like, the way companies raise money now, how little goes through the stock exchanges now compared to, say, 20, 30 years ago. There's a lot more private money, private markets. That's all off-balance sheet. It's all done in different ways through different... Um, vehicles like SPVs and so on. So there could be innovations there about structuring how those things work onto a chain, integrating that into the market slightly more, and that will give a bit more diversity into what we can invest in. Because if like you try and invest in your pension, you've got bonds or you've got stocks, and it's the shrinking pool, but everyone else is investing in other things that we can't get our hands on. So it's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point there. Lastly, your thoughts on where you see the next six to 12 months, um, especially with all the activity in the treasury and the move to to actually start looking at this a bit more seriously. Um, you know, if you had crystal ball, where, where do you see the next kind of six, 12 months looking like? I would say the next six months, we're still, we'll be feeling the ricochets of, um, of uh, the collapse of FTX. Yeah. The knee jerk reaction from very, very, diverse group of people is let's get this thing more or less de facto banned it's make them all securities let's draw the line here you know protect the consumers from buying this nonsense that has no intrinsic value and all the rest of the things that people say so i think well that's what the next six months will bring we'll see more like we saw the mps recently saying that um you know you should treat the whole thing as gambling rather than investments they're all knee-jerk reactions and then you know, everyone's scratching the heads of how the hell did this happen with FTX, and when you know it's it hasn't fully unravelled, but there's a lot of different companies. Some bits, some of the entities were registered in Cyprus and in, in Bermuda and so on. So you can't really compare that to to blockchain itself. And I think while that regulatory noise is going on in the next six months, next twelve months, people will be building because at some point there'll be an equilibrium. And the good step is, or first step is, that there will be legislation to tame some of this nonsense. So, like, I, I, I quite welcome that there won't be adverts all over the tube saying, you know, buy this dodgy coin. It doesn't do anyone any good, that. Yeah, 
I mean, it does. Yeah, I think the knee, the knee jerk reaction is always going to be there, right? It's similar to when mm. um, SVB collapsed and and the other American banks collapsed as well. That's always natural, you know. It will be. Suddenly, yeah. it's not. You know, close every down every bank there is, right? It's uh, yeah. regulation needs to happen. Uh, the market needs to be regulated. Absolutely. Um, yeah. They've just been too slow, in my opinion. They've been too slow to regulate it. I think if it was regulated. It's never going to be regulated to the level where the banks are at the moment because it's gone through so many iterations, so many events have happened for the regulation to be where it is now, and it's still changing now. Right, until you know, Reg- crypto needs that. It still needs the. You know, it, it needed the. F- it kind of needs the FTX right to happen for it to then realize that actually this is real. Um, mm. This isn't just you know we're not playing with something here. This is real. This is has impacts on people. What do we need to actually protect definitely uh, consumers? Well, if you think about where the European Union's um, Mika legislation that started because Facebook announced Libra and they just all sprang into action, saying we can't have this, and so they actually developed a, I think a reasonable framework, but they haven't rushed into DeFi, into DAOs, and a few other things because. They said we need to we need to give it some time to evolve, figure out what on earth it is before we legislate. We can't legislate based on the first six months of this experiment. You've got to leave it a little bit of space to evolve, innovate, and then we can legislate when we understand it. So I think that's a more measured approach rather than what we're seeing the other side of the pond where, yeah, you're safe now, but we might change our minds in five years and come for you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the worry, isn't it? It um, is, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is a fair point. I think I think you've got to learn. Um, Definitely. Ultimately, consumers still need to be protected. Um, I, I fully agree with that. You know, the fairness of markets, fair and orderly markets, consumer protection, that is what regulators are there for. And I think there were some particularly dumb things being done in, uh, in the crypto space in the way that tokens are marketed and uh, meme coins and all the rest of it. And, yeah. you know, there is a younger generation that saw it as a bit of fun. And it was no different to, uh, to gambling on the football match to them. But it shouldn't be like that. I think once, and it is good to see this, um, these papers coming out, these regulations, it, it encourages that. And I think the market participating in, in these papers as well is, is, always, is always key. It's, mm. it's not always going to be the regulators driving it. If the market participates, then it helps a cohesion. Definitely. What they're trying to do. I think the risk you run if you over-regulate and you yeah. get too prescriptive, then... Never a fine balance, is there? <laughs> you, you basically drive it abroad. And although we can't, you know, say we, we can't participate here, the rest of the world gets on with it. And then 10 years' time, this mature system starts chipping away, saying, well, why aren't we using that? Oh, because it's illegal. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the same with every competition. And I think yeah. they're trying to make that different in London, isn't it? They make the London the hub um, of everything. It's same with CBDCs, you know. Yeah, everyone's rushing to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, do you really want to be the first one? But you don't want to be the last one. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No, and it's. I think you know from from what I've seen for the you know, the digital pound, it's being seriously looked at. Mm. There's, there's, you know, it's, there's quite a commitment to that. But it's it feels like a paradox because on the one hand we've got the digital pound, we've got senior politicians saying that we want to be a crypto hub, and then you get other voices prominent in the city, well-known institutions saying the whole thing's a scam. So it's, it's balancing all this up at the moment. Yeah, uh, and it's and that's the kind of talk of traditional securities. 
yeah. making them digital first because they have that history, right? They have that history, they have that, they have that footprint um, yeah. that you can you can use and test the markets with mm. before you then start dipping into, into into the new world. Yeah, and I think I think the sandbox is a helpful for that sort of thing. Definitely, you know, what would this look like, and you know, how does it protect consumers and so on and so forth, and how do you operate fair and all day markets? And I think that one's going to be quite a challenge of what do you do with a global system and you want to protect your your enclave, your people and your companies. That's going to be the challenge. Yeah, I look forward to that. <laughs> uh, Martin, final thoughts? What do you think? We talked about six months in the short term. Where do you think the next kind of year to, to 18 months will look like? Pretty confident that we'll start seeing... I don't know. I've been saying this for a couple of years. <laughs> we'll start seeing some, you know, real world projects. There is a lot of talk in in the community or the blockchain space about real world assets, about looking at this space a lot more seriously. But there's quite a mountain to climb. I think you know the legislation's just starting. The technology, I would say, is fairly mature already. You know, the the, the rails themselves are robust. They can do lots and lots of transactions. Yes, they get hacked, but the hacking in itself is perversely it's a good thing because what it does it really makes sure that you've got a robust system and i would i would argue it's more robust than all the the so-called secured systems that everyone else seems to try and implement and look after we don't hear that in the headlines so much but you know yeah that's that's yeah i mean hacking is always going to be there whether you're you know an established system or on or not right and anything new you want to you want to be the first one to try it right yeah I mean, launch, launching a level one blockchain last year was quite an eye-opener. It's been running a year. Hmm. And you know that it's being probed all the time, economically, software-wise, procedurally. They're always looking to see if there's holes, vulnerabilities. Yeah. And you see some interesting trails of what people have had a go at, and it stood up. But that's one of the things that you'd expect firms to do anyway, right? You hmm. do your pen tests, you do your, your own testing as well. Yeah. So you're trying to do it yourself. So someone else is doing it all for free. Yeah. <laughs> it's all for free, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I say thank you so much for that. It's been really, really useful. Um, and hopefully next time uh, we'll have a badge ready for you. So <laughs> yeah. look forward to seeing you. I look forward to getting that one. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>